Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast. Are you going to place a bet or what? Welcome to the Action Network Podcast presented by FanDuel. Our Experts Guide to Betting series is back. This is the MLB edition. I'm your host, Maria Marino. Excited to be joined by Action Network MLB expert, Sean Zarillo. He is co-host of Payoff Pitch, which is Action's baseball betting podcast, and the writer of Opening Pitch, which is Action's wildly popular daily betting article. Sean, how are we doing? Doing great. Uh, looking forward to the second half of the baseball season. It's nice to have a turning point and, you know, a little breather before we jump into just the craziness that looks like it's going to be the stretch run of the 2023 season, really only a few teams out of it. So looking forward to the trade deadline, the stretch run, but looking forward to talking some MLB betting strategy with you today. All right, let's ju- uh, do just that. But before we do, can you just talk about your background as an expert and what makes you qualified to bet baseball at the level that you do? Yeah, I mean, I think repetition over time, you know, certainly feel more experienced now than I did a few years ago when I started action. But even before then, you know, I always wanted to work in baseball. Uh, I was a child who read Moneyball when I was 12 and wanted baseball to be my career path. Always wanted a job in baseball, worked in finance, quasi-legal, quasi-financial role for a little bit uh, and (laughs) gained knowledge of markets, you know, passing... The Series 7, Series 63 exams just gain more knowledge of how financial markets work. And largely, you can apply some of that knowledge to betting on sports. So after that, went out to work for a company called Sports Info Solutions in Pennsylvania. They're responsible for a lot of data and analysis that you see powering data on sites like Fangraph, CSPN, but responsible for creating defensive runs saved. And what I really love doing there, the people do there, is blend scouting and data. You know, you have people watching games, taking detailed analysis of every play, but then all of that data gets fed through the models that you see powered on baseball savant and statcast tracking data. So it's kind of a blend of data tracking that we have and the, you know, thousands of data points per second that you can capture, also blended with people actually scouting plays. So really love that sort of uh education that I got there interviewing with major league teams, but Action Network was always something that I had my eye on and helping people learn how to bet on baseball better and, you know, identifying data points that I think are relevant for helping predict games and predict outcomes and predict season long projections for teams, you know, both the macro and the micro in terms of looking at baseball from a top down perspective. 
All right. Based on that explanation alone, clearly you are uniquely qualified. Um, we have a term at Action Network. Uh, it's called nerds. <laughs> We're a lot of nerds here at Action Network. Sure. Um, but <laughs> for the regular baseball fan, the regular better everyday casual better, how can someone like them become good at betting a sport like MLB? So the first thing I'd say is to be price sensitive. And that applies not just to baseball, but across other sports. But it's much more identifiable in terms of how you analyze your baseball bets after the fact, because largely baseball is a money line driven sport other than totals. But you're not betting spreads as much in baseball, or at least I'm not. I think there's more value to be found in the money line market. And just in terms of how a season will go, right? If you're betting at average odds of minus 150, 60% implied odds, but winning 62% of the time, it's going to give you essentially the same return as if you're betting plus 150, average odds of 40%, and winning 42% of the time. You know, across 100 bets, you're going to end up laying more money to place those minus 150 bets than you will the plus 150 bets, but your return should still be about five units on either side if you're beating both of those margins by 2%. So keep an eye on your win rate relative to your average odds, not just your win rate overall, because when you're betting minus 110 odds generally in football or basketball on a spread, you need to hit about 54, 55.5% of the time to feel like you had a good season. In baseball, it's all relative to what your actual average money lines odds are. So be attentive to the average odds that you're betting at. Be attentive to your win rate relative to those average odds and be extremely price sensitive when you're placing bets. You know, have a price target and don't be willing to go past it. You should set an edge bar higher than where you might project the game just to ensure that you have a little bit of cushion relative to the VIG that's set in the market as well. So attentiveness to price sensitivity is the number one piece of advice I could give you, not only for betting on baseball, but for betting on any sport. Beyond that, you're going to have to bet a lot of bad teams. I mean, it's it's just something that you have to get comfortable with is, is being uncomfortable with the teams that you're betting on, the pitchers that you're betting on. You can identify, and we'll talk about this later, pitchers who may be overvalued or undervalued compared to the betting market, but you're going to bet on the same pitchers a lot, and some of them may not be particularly strong. They just may be slightly undervalued compared to where the market has them. And then the last thing is just to grind it out. It's a seven-month season. You don't have to win five units a day. If you win a third of a unit every day across a seven-month MLB season, six months of the regular season, and then a month of the playoffs, you're going to come out at about 70 units above zero at the end of the year. And that's just winning a third of a unit on average every day. So grind it out. There's plenty of games. No reason to force a big percentage of your bankroll into any individual day. There's plenty of games across the season, including the playoffs, about 2,700 total games that you have to put action on. And within those individual games, there's multiple markets as well, sides, totals, first five sides and totals, and then you know props beyond that. So, so many options across an entire MLB season where football, you're cramming it all into about 20 weeks. Well, because it's such a long season, it becomes that much more important to play the numbers game in order to bet responsibly and and plan your budget accordingly. Um, and it's also, you know, you're playing the long game. Um, it's not about, like, to your point, being profitable day to day, but over the course of a super long season. But for someone who might not be betting every single day or on every slate, um, but maybe just more uh, of a hobby, not as perhaps dedicated uh, as you would be, just help 
uh, lay out the basics of, of betting baseball and just having fun with it. Yeah. Well, 70% of betting any individual game is almost comes down to the starting pitchers. Um, now we have so much predictive data at this point, but it seems to evolve every year. So it started out with FIP. You know, if you, if you're just starting to delve into advanced statistics, FIP is generally something that you'll see pop up, which is fielding independent pitching. But anybody who talks about baseball is going to talk about the advanced statistics. I think the advantage relative to those other people is which statistics you're selecting and using. We've seen this evolution starting with fielding independent pitching, evolving into expected fielding independent pitching. And now we have things like expected ERA, which we've talked about in recent years. But it's gone even further in terms of a granular step where we can now actually predict pitchers based on what's coming out of their hand and using models to identify certain pitch types that are like other pitch types. So as you watch Major League Baseball, if you're a baseball fan, you know that pitchers modify their pitch mixes from year to year, but sometimes even in season. Their velocity levels fluctuate up and down. Hitters may change mechanics at the plate, improve or decline, but it really is a very dynamic and fluid sport to try to evaluate because it really is a one versus one sport that is played on a team level, but we're, there's so many one versus one interactions between batters and pitchers that we're actually able to predict it to a pretty high degree. But as I said, the difference comes into which predictive data you're actually selecting at this point. So, you know, the other things that really factor into the analysis, right, beyond the starting pitchers, ballparks, all of the different dimensions, the run scoring environment relative to league average, the umpires, while we still have a non-automated strike zone that may go away from the game in a couple of years, won't come in 2024, but maybe in 2025, because it seems to be having a lot of success in the minor leagues and even the the batters being able to challenge called strikes, not, not a fully automated strike zone, but potentially, you know, a batter challenge system like we see in tennis with players being able to call out or in. Um, but that, you know, that's really it. It's, it's the pitchers is so much of the line. And then the totals is really influenced by the ballparks, the umpires, the wind and weather. Um, and then you, you have to be attentive too to the fact that there's some ballparks that even convert from a offensive park to a pitcher's park within the same game. Toronto sometimes closes their roof. If bad weather is coming in chase field, sometimes in Arizona opens or closes their roof dependent on the weather. So there's lots of minutia to pay attention to with regards to handicapping baseball, but that, that is, uh, you know, the big picture analysis. It seems like professional baseball might be, uh, the most important sport to understand where the game is being played. I understand, you know, in NFL, we have some domes, but it's a lot easier to remember, you know, a couple of those versus in baseball, the fact that the stadiums are not all uniform and that they have different dimensions. It just brings another layer to it. Um, But beyond that, as far as um, the data points that you mentioned, what other tools and resources do we need to have in our toolkit to become a sharp MLB better? Yeah, you know, being aware of basically which relievers may be available on a particular day could help you live bet the sport. We can talk about live betting later, but being aware of offensive splits, right? How teams perform against right-handed pitching versus left-handed pitching. As I said, with starting pitchers factoring into that much of the line, the handedness splits for the relative offenses and the relative players on those offenses, I think is extremely important for how they match up with that individual pitcher. You can also, if you want to go step further, dive into a lot of specific 
pitch or, or run value data for specific pitch arsenals, how offenses perform or how players perform against specific pitch types and how the relative pitch types for that pitcher have done on the season. So you can get a lot of matchup based data in terms of the matchups or in terms of the, you know, the handedness of the pitcher against the offense and all of that stuff you can find on baseball savant. You can find on Fangraphs. There's a lot of publicly available information, Pakoda as well, uh, via baseball prospectus. And if you're, not on a game-to-game basis even, but on a season-long perspective, looking more for futures analysis, public-based projections, terms of where they think teams might finish for the division or have a chance of winning their division, chances of winning the World Series. All of that is very publicly available. And the reason why I like to mention it is because even though I make my own numbers, when you sort of composite those out and average those out, I've been able to prove it over the past five years, you know, compared to preseason win totals alone, a composite projection averaging all of those projections together, it's going to win close to 60% of the time, where if you take any of them individually, they're only hitting at about a 51, 52% clip and sort of aligning with the market. So I think just using as much data as you can, compositing it, averaging it together, I think that's extremely valuable. And there's more data available to use, as I said, for predictive analysis in baseball as there is for any other sport, maybe all the other sports combined. So take advantage of everything that's out there and try to identify what you think is relevant. Another thing you can certainly take advantage of is the Action app. What makes the Action app so useful to you in particular, Sean? Yeah, I mean, for line shopping, I think it's phenomenal. You know, you can load up all of your sports books that you have accounts at into the app. And then when I'm handicapping a particular card, generally between uh, 9 p.m., 3 a.m., but as I figure out my projections for these games, I load them into a spreadsheet. And then I literally pull up the action app. I have it balanced on my computer, you know, almost as a second screen in the corner. And I just punch them into the spreadsheet, the best available line on either side. And I'm able to see my edges compared to my projected odds. So it really is phenomenal for line shopping, especially, you know, not only for that particular instance, but throughout the day, I can set alerts to tell me when a line crosses a particular threshold that I might want to bet that I might be waiting on. As I mentioned, price targets, you know, if I'm waiting on a number, to get to a certain range, it can help notify me when that occurs. If you want to keep an eye on particular games as they're going on, scoring alerts, what have you, it'll notify you every time um, you know, run scores in a particular game. So for my sport in particular, I think it's phenomenal. But you know, across all sports, not only in terms of being able to line shop, but then also in terms of tracking your bets. You know, I, I play such a high volume of bets across the course of a major league baseball season on a daily basis just keeps me, you know, from having to do all of that manual bet tracking myself. So I think it's great both for pregame and then postgame being able to look back on your results where the lines closed and, you know, doesn't exactly tell you the CLV, but you're able to compare it so easily to the number that you bet the game at. So as I said, both pre and postgame, I think it's an extremely valuable tool. At Zerillo on the Action app. And as you mentioned earlier, it's just so important to know your win rate um, and that's going to inform how you bet moving forward. You also mentioned preseason versus in-season. So let's talk about how you approach MLB before the season even gets going in the off-season. Yeah, you know, baseball has been very difficult from year to year recently because the baseball is changing every season. We added new rules this year with the larger bases, the new disengagement rules for the pitchers, which has increased stolen bases by... I'm not sure if the number was 40% or 70%, but it's at least 40% that stolen bases have gone up. Stolen base attempts have gone up 
in 2023. It might be even more dramatic than that. But, you know, new rules this year, maybe no, more new rules that come in the future with the automated strike zone may just change slightly how these veteran pitchers get strikes or don't get strikes. You know, guys like Adam Wainwright and Shane Bieber, I watched their starts and they still get the respect of those umpires where with an automated strike zone, they may not be getting calls on the edge of the, of the zone that they are right now. But year to year, the new baseball has absolutely driven me crazy. Uh, humidors were installed in some parks secretly during my time in Action Network and then publicly installed across all 30 parks within the following year. So we've we've had a lot of secrecy with regards to the baseballs, with regards to these humidors, haven't really had a stable year-over-year environment to be able to project things, things into. So there's been a lot of analysis, shifts being banned this year, helping left-handed hitters, so much minutia that I've had to dig through year over year. We haven't really had much consistency. And, you know, I don't really expect that to go away completely in the future. So paying attention to all of those changes every season has led to bigger edges in April and a lot of success betting baseball in April before the rest of the betting market is able to adjust. So I think your edges are going to come early if they come at all. And being able to pay attention to those changes during spring, during the off season is something that, I found has been profitable, not just, you know, worth my time, but actually benefited my time. Uh, and then the other thing I'd say to pay attention to now as we get more, as we get more pitchers and more players going to sports science places like driveline baseball in the off season, there's a lot more improvement that is coming outside of these individual organizations on a player development scale. So keep an eye on who's going where in the off season you know, who's adding new pitches. These guys are very willing to post that stuff on social media when they think they've made substantial improvements. Well, I'm glad you brought up a silver lining to the challenge of keeping up with all these changes. And that's, you know, potentially getting an early edge on the season. But how do you attack the futures market? Yeah, as I mentioned before, you know, there's a lot of publicly available projections that you can use to your benefit, whether it's taking those Pocota projections, Davenport projections, Fangraphs projections, averaging them together, seeing where you might find value relative to the win total market. As I said, if you average those three together, average out with mine, but even individually averaging those three out, you can definitely gain an edge on the baseball batting market in terms of win totals, especially if you're early, you know, and first in terms of getting the money down before those lines have adjusted. But the, generally those are going to come out around Super Bowl time, if not a bit before but in terms of player futures, there's even more projections available because people aren't looking at forecasting, you know, how the teams are going to do overall with those players, but just forecasting how they think players can do across a season. And what I like to do, especially for player props, hits leader, home runs leader, et cetera, I'm identifying players whose projected range, I think, is outside of the players they're bucketed with in terms of odds. So for example, if I think a player is going to be a top 10 home run hitter, you know, hit around 35 to 40 home runs. But on the odds board, he's about 50 to one. And he's ranked closer to players who are projected to hit 25 to 30 home runs. That's a very obvious bet for me because he's not bucketed on the odds board relative to where his projected peers are. The other thing I'd recommend too, is to try identify players who may exceed their playing time projections because forecasting players on statistics that are based on an average function of playing time, for example, dividing hits by plate appearances or home runs by plate appearances, you may be able to see players who, if they gain more playing time throughout a season, will be able to exceed those expectations and have a shot of potentially capturing a category. I've been betting on Luis Arise for the past few seasons to be the major league hits leader. 
because on a per playing time basis, he's expected to be one of the hits leaders in baseball. Generally, though, his teams have sit him against left-handed pitching. Even the Marlins have done it a little bit this year, so he doesn't have as big of a lead as you might expect. But at 20 to 1, 30 to 1 the past few years, even as high as 50 to 1, he's been a great value bet. Really good to know. Okay, so let's get back to in-season, game to game. You mentioned earlier uh, just identifying pitcher's value or vice versa. Um, take us through just like your process of you're your going line by line and, and what's standing out and what catches your eye. Yeah, so, you know, everything is run through a model. Everything is player-based. There's a preseason projection in there. And then there's also aspects of the data that are in-season data. Obviously, as the season goes on and we have more confidence in that Eden season data, we're able to factor it in more aggressively. But by and large, you know, I'm I'm going through each individual game, finding data points that may be outliers. For example, a player hasn't pitched, you know, more than 10 innings this season. I don't want that data sample weighing in too heavily compared to that preseason projection. So just making sure everything's right. Nothing is being weighted too heavily relative to playing time on the season and uh, identifying any potential other errors that are in there. But then taking those numbers, taking my projections and comparing them to the market after I've adjusted for weather, et cetera. Um, but, you know, comparing my number to the market and basically looking for any edge that is 2% or higher compared to my projected number, digging a little bit deeper from there into the players, you know, just making sure pitcher velocity trends haven't moved significantly in recent starts or that their stuff plus ratings, things like that haven't trended particularly up or down since I have, you know, factored in a season-long sample where you may get more recency bias where players trending in a different direction. But beyond that, just looking for the projected edges, once those projected lines are finalized and, and looking for an edge that's about 2% or more compared to my projected number and essentially playing them on a volume basis. You know, my advantage doesn't come from projecting any individual game of an edge of at least 2% because baseball has so much variance. But over the course of a season, my advantage comes from placing a volume of bets. So you might be able to match my return on investment, telling me in a few bets, but the more I am able to get down $100, $200, I'm expecting to get a 25 to 3% return every time I put my money down. So volume of bets, that's why I place a ton of bets. That's why mm -hmm. I like the availability to place a ton of bets across a full season, just because I think the more I'm able to express that edge, the more I'm able to accumulate. So as you're going through and searching for those outliers, that includes for prop betting opportunities, correct? Yeah, you know, prop betting, not something I have as much time to project, right? Because the markets I'm able to focus on take up so much time. It's amongst the biggest betting markets that we have in any space, particularly over the summer, once all the football money, that basketball money, hockey money <laughs> that is invested in other sports kind of flood the baseball market for a little bit. You know, there's a lot of sharp bettors out there and they have friends who project baseball. They may not pay attention to it while their seasons are going on, right? The sports that they pay attention to, but they want that action in the summer. So they will tell their friends bets who are doing this at a high level. And it's just putting more money in the market and making the entire thing sharper. I think it's why it's actually more difficult to make money over June, July than it is to make it at April and September. It's, you know, something I've thought about quite a bit, but there actually is something to it. But that said, prop betting just presents another avenue for you to find potential advantages if you're looking to get into betting on baseball, if you're willing to put in the time and the effort and focus on an individual market, uh, you know, such as Sean Kerner does with strikeout props for us, 
I think you can actually find a pretty significant advantage if you're willing to focus on one market. So that would be my advice to anybody who's looking into getting to seriously betting on baseball. It doesn't have to be sides or totals. It could be outs recorded props for pitchers. It could be total bases props for hitters. There might be something that you're able to exploit if you're really good at taking the time to project these out and pay attention to the markets on a daily basis. You don't have to focus on full game signs and totals. That's just what I choose to do. It just presents more opportunity for the casual better to get involved. And then also for people who want to take it more seriously for them to potentially exploit edges continually on a day-to-day basis. That sounds good. What about live betting? Is that something that you are passionate about? (laughs) Not so much, you know, uh, in MMA, I sort of pre-script my live bets where I'm able to identify advantages going into a game. If there is something in terms of a hidden injury in a game that I'm able to identify where a player stays in a game, but it seems like he might come out, you know, he's he's in the game for the rest of the inning in a field and it seems like he may not finish the game out. That might be something to take advantage of, but it would be purely you know, uh, subjective, right? You're you're just sort of doing it on the fly. And anything else that I would be doing in terms of live betting would probably be pre-planned where I see a big advantage for a bullpen, but I don't really want to bet on that starting pitcher for a particular team. The other team though might have a bunch of relievers out where once it gets to that fifth inning, if that starter gets pulled, I'm looking to target them live on the money line once they bring their bullpen in or might be able to look to avoid an opener. There's there's a lot of scenarios, but almost all of them would be around a pre-scripted play. But in terms of timing, I want to bet on a team as they're coming to their top of the lineup, either 9-1-2 or 1-2-3 in their batting order. And I want to bet against the team as they're coming to the bottom of their batting order. But I also want to bet on a team as they're pitching, not when they're hitting, because you're going to get a better price on the team when their pitcher's on the mound, as opposed to when their lineup is coming up. A couple of good rules of thumb there. And obviously, if you're already taking the time to keep track of some numbers and and do some projections, uh, those opportunities in-game, I think, would be a little bit easier to identify, at least. But what is the ultimate thrill for you betting a baseball game? Because I know it's it's all business for you and, you know, everything you do is planned. But what just brings out sort of that, you know, excitement? Well, I'm here because I'm passionate about betting on baseball and, you know, passionate about betting in general. But the first thing that really got me into betting on baseball was home run leader props for the entire season. Uh, having Josh Hamilton, you know, at 40 to 1 before a season and then he hits four home runs in a game in april which by the way a four home run game rarer than a perfect game one of the most fun achievements in sports but to have a guy go off be leading the entire season and then he chokes it away in september you know sometimes those beats are going to be more memorable than the tickets that you cash easily uh even at long odds but you know sweating long shot props across the season sweating a same game parlay you know on a on an opening day at 800 to one with Laguerre, just needing to home run to cash it those things are going to be the beats that stick with you the sweats that stick with you even if they don't cash you know as long as you're playing them for reasonable amounts managing your bankroll correctly doing it on special occasions like i said opening day fourth of july you know holiday type of occasions i i love those bets uh they're always they're always the best sweats and you're always going to get the most interaction with them because who doesn't want to tail an 800 to one same game parlay on opening day that gets one <laughs> leg shy of cashing. But, uh, you know, is like I said, long shot season long props 
anything like 30 to one, even 25 to one or higher. Those are always fun to sweat across the season. Only takes one injury to derail you, but it doesn't mean it's not fun to sweat. And then, uh, you know, as I've said before, when it's when it's going well, when the good results, your good CLV is actually aligning, it really doesn't get better than that. The, the lows are so low betting on this sport. You know, the 20 unit downswings are so low that when it is going well, it just, it, there really is uh, an overwhelming sense of confidence going into any slate. So, you know, even, even betting on these terrible pitchers, these 40 year old pitchers that are plus 200 on the money line, you just have no problem laying the bet that you would on any other day uh, when it's been going well for a little bit. That is the definition of trusting in the process. Uh, he is an MLB expert here at Action Network, co-host of Payoff Pitch, our baseball betting podcast, and the writer of Opening Pitch, our daily betting article on Action Network. Sean Zarillo, thanks so much for joining us on the Expert's Guide to Betting MLB edition. Thank you for having me, Maria. Always a pleasure talking. And a reminder, be on the lookout for our other expert guides to sports betting with episodes being released throughout the summer right here on the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.